0: Good morning, Christ fellowship. Buenos días. Buenos días. So I know some of us are nervous. You're like, I pray that Pastor Carlos doesn't let uh, tell me to talk to my neighbor. Like it's like we did that for 2 weeks. I pray I pray I get to sit here and not have to talk to anyone else. I want to remind everyone that the theme of the month is the miracle of loving your neighbor. But before I let you know what we're going to do, I have a simple question for everyone. How many of you would love, love to have answered prayer from God? Raise your hand. You love when God answers your prayer. I, I think everyone should raise their hand. If you're, if you're not raising your hand for that one, you know, you're not being completely honest. All of us want to um, get answered prayer from God. Now, we, we're going to highlight a key passage which is really interesting here because Jesus is speaking and for us to see the answer to this prayer, we could be a part of it. Every single person in this room could actually play a part in answering a prayer that Jesus had to Father God. Think about that. You could be the answer to Jesus's prayer, your actions, whether to do something or not, really highlights if you're going to answer Jesus's prayer or not. And I'll I'll show you the verse so you can understand what I'm talking about. In John chapter 17, starting at verse 20, this is known as the farewell discourse of Jesus as he's sharing. It says this, My prayer is not for them alone. He's referring to the disciples. He's like, my prayer is not just for the disciples. And then he he continues. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. Who's that? Who has believed in Jesus through the message that's been passed down through the disciples? It's us, okay? Now let's continue. And then it says this, that all of them may be one. So right now he's praying that all of us may be one. So this is you, through your actions, you could answer Jesus's prayer. That all of us may be one. And then he gives us an example of the level of oneness that we should have with one another. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. Now think about that. It's like that's not about superficial stuff in relationships. Those are really being one with one another, being there for one another, supporting one another, encouraging one another, loving each other, and walking this journey side by side. And then it continues, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So here he highlights that he's praying to father god that everyone that hears the message may become one he gives us the ultimate example for us to be this have the same type of relationship the father and jesus has and then he says in addition so that the world so that the world may believe that you have sent me so the world is watching us on how we treat one another So if we don't love one another, it's like, you know, the world is like, why should I even follow this Jesus when they're not able to love the brother and sister they're able to see with their physical eyes? Like, you know, like your witness um, pretty much makes the big difference. So yes, we will spend five minutes getting to know someone you don't know, okay? Because we want to answer Jesus's prayer. He's praying to Father God for this to take place, and you could be a part of the answer. And to make it a little bit easier for you, too, as you approach someone that you don't know, just to get get to know them a little bit more, after you introduce yourselves, I actually added three questions. Um, It's going to be in the back. There's a slide for this. Three questions here in the back. And the questions are, You could ask someone what do they dream about pretty much what are the things what are the dreams that they have in their heart for their life what do they sing about like what are things that bring great joy to their heart and life and what do they cry about what are things that break their heart and bring sadness to their life so those are three questions to guide everyone Could stand up to their feet we could put on the lights a little bit and there's gonna be a countdown. I want you to answer Jesus's prayer, find someone you don't know, and once the video goes on, once the video goes on, it's time for everyone to sit down. Some of us talked right through the video too. You were so deep into the conversation. You was like, no video's gonna stop me from talking. So definitely everyone could find their seat, and I hope you got, uh, had an opportunity to get to know someone else from our church. Um, I just think it's so cool uh, that we get to be part of the answer uh, to Jesus's prayer. Uh, so many times we want God to answer our prayers every time we choose to love someone We answer Jesus' prayer. Just want to let you know, obviously, you know the theme of the month is the miracle of loving your neighbor. And in case you've missed any of the other teachings, we ask you to you could tune in to our podcast. We have an app, CF of Elizabeth. You could go on our website and see the listings of all of our teachings. I don't know if you know, but you could go years back to listen to different teachings as well. But so important to listen to at least the last two teachings too, because every week builds on the previous um, week. So pretty much uh, one of the major things we've been talking about too, it's that it's hard for us to love certain people, but God wants us to love to love everyone many times people have prejudices against people sometimes people might not consider themselves being racist you could say but they could be racially offensive by the ways and the things that they say to other people some people they might acknowledge hey you know what, like, I feel like I'm a racist, or or I believe certain ways, and you realize that you need God to transform your heart because of your views towards a certain group or people. Sometimes we have a certain view towards a group of people because of one issue or one moment of something that might have happened to us that hurt us, and all of a sudden we've um, classified a whole group being a certain way. And here on the side— Um, there's obviously the cross and there's hearts there and you're wondering if today might be your first day visiting our church or maybe if you haven't been here uh, if you weren't here last week last week we had a moment where everyone here we had a heart and we had to write down on the heart someone that we have or a group of people that we have a hard time loving Um, So all of a sudden we had to write it down and surrendering it at the foot of the cross, asking God to transform us and to give us the love that he has for everyone. So there you see the hearts decorating the cross, but that's symbolic of God wanting to transform our hearts. Um, So just to let you know, for, uh, for starting also for next week as well, or during the time period of the altar call today, you could always come up, there's extra hearts there and pens that you're able to add and put a heart on the cross if you didn't get a chance to. But if you come up and you write it, just drop your heart in the basket that's there. And then next week your heart will be placed on the cross. And the following week during worship, you could always come forward and do that as well. But something I said before is racism is real. And hatred is real. And a lot of times the way that we treat other people, how I said we could come across being very racially offensive many times, even if we don't consider ourselves being prejudiced or being racist or anything like that, but the way we say things or do things could come across very hurtful. And we have to be very careful even how we talk to other people and 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 something that we learned too from miles McPherson in the first week is just the fact that we have to love everyone as they our brother and sister the moment we consider well them or they as an outside group you're already building like a gap between yourselves but god wants us to love each other the way that he he does Um, How I mentioned racism is real People being prejudiced is real I'll never forget about six months ago I went inside a store Here in Elizabeth I had a meet with the owner of the store Because he wanted to talk to me about something And when I show up to the store All of a sudden You could tell that He's in a discussion That's a little heated With someone else that's there But it was like a regular discussion And out of nowhere, the woman looks at the owner and says, you better learn how to speak English. I, I, don't, I don't understand what you're saying, even though the person was speaking English, but they had a very strong accent. Um, so it was hard to understand them. And all of a sudden, she was being offensive, even by her, her saying that. And then out of nowhere, she says, you just got to get out of this country. Now, this happened in Elizabeth. This didn't happen like in Kentucky or, you know, like in a whole different state. You know. This happened in Elizabeth, which is a melting pot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's filled with diverse people. And the person is like, you better get out of this country. It's like, you don't belong here, she says. And then I'm here looking at this, and I can't stay quiet. So I just get myself right in the discussion. And I look at the lady, and I say, Why are you saying that to him? And then all of a sudden, she's trying to come up with reasons, and none of her reasons make sense. And while she's talking to me, I notice that she has a strong accent. (laughs) So I looked at her, and I said, Y de donde tú eres? I said, where are you from? I'm not going to say what country she's from, but it's a Caribbean island. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to highlight a specific one. And she's like, I'm from here, or like from the uh, Caribbean island. I was like, were you born there, or were you born here? She's like, no, I was born there. So, So now I'm really confused, like... Like, like, if you were born here and saying that, it's still offensive. It's not right at all. But you could almost kind of guess a little bit of your logic, I guess. But here's someone that wasn't born here telling someone to leave the country and that you don't belong here and that they could barely speak English while this person was barely able to speak English herself. And I just looked at her. I was like but it doesn't make sense. Why are you saying that to him? Number one, you're not even born here yourself and you're telling him to leave. And then on top of that too, it's like you're making fun of his English, but you don't have the strongest command on yours. I just don't understand it. And when I started to explain that to her, she's like, I know, I know, I'm sorry. Like, and she apologized to the man right there at that moment. But what fueled the person, what fueled the person at that moment to be filled with hate, really tearing someone apart? And let me tell you something. I've heard, like, obviously, I hear a lot of those type of statements on the news, not too many times, like, in person, right in front of me, and I wasn't going to stay quiet uh, because it's not acceptable at all um but on top of that too it's like i've i sometimes i hear people say that it's it's like it's like you know speak english or this and that and you know what that is offensive because number one english is not the official language of the united states by the way just want to make make sure everyone understands that understands that number two it's like the beauty of the united states is the diversity it really is it's like The diversity of the United States is where there's beauty. And then on top of that, how are you showing the love of Jesus by coming at someone like that? And then after talking to her and really realizing, um, trying to figure out what was fueling her to win that argument, what was fueling her to really take that position, because it didn't make sense, and it's, it, it started, the roots were within her heart, and it boils down to pride. When someone has pride, and let me tell you, I'm, I'm not, obviously, I'm not talking about, there's a healthy kind, which is uh, having satisfaction over something you accomplished or something about your life. You know, you have satisfaction over that, but when it's pride that you feel as though you're superior over someone else because of something... Then all of a sudden, that's the pride that stems from evil and from our sinful nature. And I just want to give you a definition It's going to be behind me. Pride, it should be right here. Three, two, one. Aye. Yeah, that was pretty good that we coordinated that. All right, it says this. Pride, an unreasonable feeling of being superior due to one's talents, beauty, wealth, rank, race, culture, profession, beliefs, traditions, and so forth. So pretty much it could come from almost anything, you could say, but the moment you feel as though you're superior to someone else, it's like you're being prideful. And in that moment, in that store, in the city of Elizabeth, this woman was trying to get across to this person, the owner, that she was superior. And that was the pride that was coming out of her heart, and she was trying to find a way to verbalize it, and all she could think of is saying things that didn't make sense, because what she said to him actually applied to her, you could say, too. But it just brewed so deeply within her, she didn't care. She just wanted to come across and hurt someone. And if we're not careful, pride could really brew within our own hearts and come out and spill over, and we'll say things and do things you would have never imagined you were capable of. Have you ever said anything you ever regretted before? I know I have. All of us have. That we've said something that we didn't want to say. And what does, where does that stem from? It's the pride. And here, I just want to read two key verses. Psalm 10, verse 4, you could turn there. It says this. Here, King David said, um, he's speaking, he says, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him, referring to God. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. Think about that. Like, the person that, that has pride in their hearts here a king david is referring to them as a, pr- a wicked person that has no room for god because all of a sudden pride puffs you up makes you arrogant and the place where god deserves within your heart and mind gets bumped off and there's no room for god in a prideful person you've evicted god And you might have not realized this, but you have a choice to either evict God or keep God to sit in the heart, in the throne of your heart and mind. But you need to make a decision. And then in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, it says this, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. And then all of a sudden it says, I hate pride. King Solomon is saying this, I hate pride and arrogance evil behavior and perverse which means improper here speech so all of a sudden he's saying you know what i hate pride i hate arrogance i hate evil behavior and improper speech so all of a sudden pride is the pretty much the major focus that we need to be careful of that we don't fall into now my question to you is are you prideful are you prideful? And we're going to do a little test to find out if you're prideful, okay? So you could take your bulletins, turn into the back, take out your pen. Some of you are like, I thought we were going to church today. Why are we like in school? All of a sudden, it's like Carlos is doing a little test. We're going to do a little test, and I want you to be honest with yourself. And the reality is the best way to find out how accurate this test is, the results, is having someone to answer it for you. So if you're here, I mean, this could cause a lot of problems. (laughs) Um, Marriage counseling, just let us know if you need it afterwards. Um, If you dare and would choose to do this, uh, you could ask your spouse or someone that knows you really well to answer the questions concerning yourself and vice versa, if you don't want to go there because you want to make sure you don't sleep on the couch and you want to make sure your relationship is good, that might be wisdom at this moment too. So just, just, I'll let you decide, okay? All right, I'm going to ask you 10 questions. It's very simple. For every question you write yes to, you, you get a one, one point. So if you, get, you put a yes to all 10 questions, you have 10 points. Seven questions, yes. You get seven points. Four questions, yes. Four points. And for those of you that are watching through live stream, you could write it on a piece of paper. Stay tuned and on track as well. This is the first question. Do you long for a lot of attention by being dramatic, pushy, or demanding? So, do you long for a lot of attention by being dramatic, pushy, or demanding? Okay? Some of you, eso el corazón te está doliendo tanto ahora mismo already. Your heart is hurting so much already. We haven't even barely even started, we haven't even scratched the surface. All right, ready? Number two. There's no maybes. maybes. That's a good question. (laughs) No Pongang. maybe, uh, you know, no maybes. It's yes or no, okay? And if, honestly, if you're 50-50, lean on the yes part, okay? Not on the no part. All right, ready? Number two, do you become jealous, negative, or critical of people who succeed? All of a sudden, when there's people succeeding around you, all, do you get jealous, critical, negative about them instead of like thanking god for what god's doing in their life you're like i don't know why this happening to that person because of this 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 all of a sudden you become critical number three do you always have to win in a discussion or argument do you always have to win if your goal is to win every discussion like that lady in that store put a yes I don't know why there's so much talking right now. You guys, this is is a very somber moment where you're reflecting on your heart. All right, number four, do you have a pattern of lying? And if you wrote no, maybe you're lying at that moment too. So just be careful, you know, be conscious of your patterns here. You know, if all of a sudden you find yourself lying, stretching the truth a lot, number five do you have a hard time acknowledging when you're wrong is it almost impossible maybe you like you 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 feel like it's it's like you know what i mean like all of a sudden when you hear the person say i'm sorry you feel like you're gonna drop to the floor it's like what what did you say those words exist out of your mouth (laughs) Now, something I I do want to let you know, it's probably very dangerous for you to think of someone else at this moment. Don't think of really someone else unless you're doing the swap with your spouse. You know, really focus on yourself. Number six, do you have a lot of conflicts with other people? Is your life filled with drama? Let me tell you, there's people I know Every time I get a, uh, a text message, I know there's drama involved. I was like, "What happened now? ¿Qué está pasando now. Drama everywhere. Number seven: are you quick to point out other people's faults or things you don't like about others? Are you just quick to point out things you don't like as if your decision matters to everybody? All right, ready, Number eight. Do you get upset when people do not honor your achievements or what you do? Now, this is when you do something and you get no acknowledgement at all. You did the dishes, you vacuumed the house, you did everything around the house. And let's say your wife comes home and doesn't say beep at all. How do you feel? Did Did you do it to just love her and onto Jesus? Or were you waiting for that acknowledgement? Number nine, do you have an attitude of entitlement? You just, think, you just think everything should come to you and you're entitled to everything. And number 10, the last one is this. Do you feel like you're much smarter than most people? All of a sudden you just feel like you're much smarter than most people. You just look at everyone around you. You're like, "Oh, they're all dumb." It's like if they would just be a fraction as smart as I am. Is that you? All right, guys. Now tally how many yeses you have from one to ten. Now, in a second, I'm going to tell you to raise your hand if you had ten. No, no, I'm joking. They're joking. Some of you were like Carlos. I'm not raising my hand at all. You know, but. All right, everybody completed it. I'm going to tell you how this is scored right now. Right there, the scoring. If you scored 1 through 10, you are proud. If you have 1 yes through 10, you you are proud. If you scored 0, you're very proud because you definitely (laughs) lied. You just lied, okay? So, So everybody did it. Now, I want to let you know, guys, listen up. Obviously, that was a little test. For some of us, it might have been a little funny and fun to do. For some of, the, uh, some of us, it was really painful and hurtful. And if your spouse took the test for you, don't go into explanation now. Just listen to the rest of the teaching. You could discuss why you put yes on those items afterwards, after service, after you eat lunch. Don't do that before lunch. All right, check this out. It might be hard for us to see when we're prideful. Because our Christianity, a lot of times, mask it. Just because you know Jesus, and just because you go to church, just because you maybe you're involved with ministry, just because you love God, doesn't mean that we don't struggle with pride. So I don't know about you, but have you ever ever woke up a day in your life and you just know you stink really bad, right? You just stink. Like tons of BO, let's say, body odor. You stink. And you look at the clock and you have no time to take a shower. You take out that old spice, thinking that it's going to do something. You take out your cologne... Pastor Harold uses Old Spice. No, no, I'm joking. (laughs) I just heard him laugh. So I don't know what cologne. You take out your cologne or you take out your perfume and you just pray to God while you're squirting it. You're like, God, mask all the bad smells. You're like, put a cologne where you're not supposed to. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, you leave your house thinking you're good. And all you did, you covered up a mess you're still stinky. You know what I mean? You're still stinky and you just covered up a mess. I remember when I was little, I remember when I was little, my mom used to cook in the morning before I went to school. And I remember this clearly when I went to Robert Morris School 18 and I went a couple years in St. Mary's in Elizabeth too. So my mom used to cook dinner, whatever we were going to eat for dinner, in the morning. So think about it, adobo, spices, the whole shebang and stuff. And I used to complain to my mom, like, mommy, you will fail. Uh, it's like mom, I stink. It's like I go, I, I go to school and the kids try to smell my clothes to figure out what you cooked this morning. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's like I smell really bad and, and stuff like that. And I'll never forget uh, my dad, my dad would come up to me and he would get cologne and he'll put cologne on my nose. He's like, bing, 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 all no, right. No. Do you smell it now? I was like, no. I was like, you're good. So I used to go through the day thinking that I smell good, but everyone else smelled everything else. But the little cologne he put on the tip of my nose is what I would be smelling throughout the day. Now, with us, we need to realize that we could be smelly Christians. We really can Because we have a little bit of Jesus in our life, we feel as though that we can't be smelly, but to the world, we could be very smelly. A lot of times, we could turn off people that generally wants to follow Jesus and get to know him just because of our pride and the way that we are. So many times, people don't want to get to know who God is because of our walk. Not because of anything that God did, it's because of how we're living. I mean, you you even noticed before how I I mentioned there with with, uh, the prayer that Jesus said is for us to be one, for us to be one so that the world could believe. So I just have a question for all of us. It's like when people see our lives, when people see our lives, do we turn people away from God or do you really draw people closer to God? Because right now, this moment, this world is really thirsty and dying to know about God. And they'll never open up a Bible, but the clearest Bible that they will be able to see is through our actions, through everything that we do. But are we willing to do it? Are we willing to walk the walk? Are we willing to do what it takes so that we would be able to shine brightly for Jesus? Or all of a sudden, are we pushing people away? Sometimes we could be very hurtful to others. And I remember even in the beginning with myself, like when I first came to the Lord, I really didn't understand a lot of things. And sometimes my own actions could have really made people believe otherwise. But God is calling us not to be smelly Christians, you could say. You know, in Jesus' day, there was a religious group that you could say were smelly believers, the Pharisees, and we're going to highlight them there. The Pharisees were a religious group that knew about God, but had no relationship with God. And my prayer is that here in this church, there's no one that just knows about God, but that's not willing to walk it out. And I know some of us, you know, like how I mentioned before, the whole thing with the the whole thing with in the beginning to talk to someone you don't know i know that's a little uncomfortable for some of us i know for some of us it might be hard to do but this is walking the walk because if think about it, this is a safe place here this is a safe place and if you're not willing to do it here where you could be in a safe place talk to someone that loves you how like what are the chances you're going to do it outside in the world For a group that's not like yours like all of a sudden you look like you look at someone that's completely different from you it's like what are the chances that you're going to go there and show love to them if we're not willing to just turn around from our aisle or lean over to someone else and talk to someone here that you don't know we're about putting things into practice and doing what God calls us to do So here we need to realize certain things that God said to the Pharisees, and we need to look um, into our lives because here the Pharisees were a very prideful group of believers, you could say. Prideful group of believers, and we don't want to be like them. In Matthew 23 verse 27, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. So here Jesus is making it clear that he's not satisfied and content with the way that these people were. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. So here, all of a sudden, Jesus is comparing this prideful group of people, the Pharisees, saying that they're like whitewashed tombs. It's like tombs that they would paint white on the outside so it could look beautiful, but the inside is full of pretty much dead bones. So here there's people that know about God, but there's no relationship with God, and Jesus, he hates fakeness. He doesn't want you just to talk about it. He wants you to be about it. He wants you to walk the walk. He doesn't look at how much, think about it. The Pharisees, they, they follow, they try to follow 613 commands. 613 commands. Not about 10 commandments, 613 commands. They were able to tell you all the commands from the beginning to the end. They were very knowledgeable. So it's not about how much knowledge you have. It's about your love for God and your love for one another. And if you ever want to evaluate your relationship with God, you need to look at it like that. How much do you love God? Do you love him with all your heart, mind, and strength? And how much do you love other people? And you can't have it one way or another. You can't have it one way or another. It has to go hand in hand, both of it together. Now, Jesus doesn't stop there. He says this in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 through 9. He says this. These people honor me, talking about the Pharisees, with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So think about that. I don't know about you, but that's like super heavy rebuke. In Jesus' part towards them. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are fra- far from me. So here you have a prideful group that doesn't have any room for God, you could say. They say the right things. They honor God with their lips, but there, how Jesus said their hearts are far from God. Honestly, my my thing with all of us here and everyone that's watching, we want you to have a close relationship with God and to truly love one another the way that you would love yourself and the way that God wants you to love them. It's not about how many times you show up to church every Sunday. It's not about how many ministries you're involved. It's not about how much Bible do you read every day. It's not how much time you spend in prayer. It's not how much time you spend in worship. If your heart is far away from God, you're just doing that as a religion. You're not doing it as a relationship with God. And you need to realize the difference. You could say the right things, but your heart could be far away. Now, mind you, all of the things I mentioned is so important. Coming to church, reading the Bible, praying, you know, let's say memorizing Scripture, all that's important. But if your heart is not close to God and it's not loving other people, you're missing the mark. You're missing the mark. And that's for each of us here to listen to because the last thing that I want Jesus to look at any of our lives and say, hey, you talk a great game, but your heart is far away from me. And he wants your heart to be close to him and your heart to be loving others. Something that's actually very disturbing Some of us might have heard the Barna Group. The Barna Group is a Christian group that does studies and surveys for decades in trying to figure out things that are happening throughout the country. They did a survey where they they pretty much interviewed hundreds of Christians. And of course, the goal of the survey was just to see through their responses if they were more like Christ, Christ Christ-like, or more like a Pharisee. And when they got back the results, 51% of the surveys of the Christians of the United States came back more with behavior that looked like a Pharisee, more than the behavior that looked like Jesus. And that's really disturbing. Because you know what? If we're not careful, we could become an in-group here. We could become an in-group that we don't really welcome other people to come here. Everyone is welcome to come inside this church. Everyone is welcome to come inside God's kingdom. But you know what's crazy? As Christians, sometimes we're quick to try to figure out, it's like, you know what, that type of person is not allowed. Or if someone comes in that might be different from what we're used to, we're very quick to say, it's like, this has to change about that person. Instead of loving that person the way that Jesus loves us, is I think about sometimes we forget where we came from. For those of us that have known God for a long time, you forget where God found you. And then all of a sudden when someone comes that doesn't know God or is looking for God, we're quick to let that person know what needs to change in their life instead of loving on them and letting God do that work in them and take them in that journey, that process, making that person more like God. But sometimes we want to be quick to tell that person, oh, you can't do that. You know, we want to judge and point and change before loving. And that's just like a Pharisee. So it's like all of a sudden, it's like when people want to get closer to God, are we, do we welcome them? Like I know people, sometimes I talk to some Christians and the things that they say are so hurtful for other people that have a whole different lifestyle, you could say. People that are living a whole different way that you know it's not God honoring. But think about it, this person doesn't know God. So how could you hold them to the same standard of what you know when this person doesn't know and they haven't encountered that relationship with God and they haven't gone through the journey, but yet you're willing to close the door on them? You know, it's like we need to realize that everyone, I want everyone to feel completely at home here at this church, For everyone, no matter what they believe, no matter what they're doing, no matter what sins they're entertaining in their life, I want them to know that this is a safe place for them to pursue God, for them to wrestle with their struggles, for them to know that they're welcome here at home. You know, that this is a safe place. You know, it's like all of a sudden it's like we, like, you know, like there's people here right now, this moment that are struggling with things. And I'm not going to start highlighting specific sins. We know that there's tons of sins. And it's amazing how so many times we could look at a certain sin and make that into a worse category than our own sins. That's exactly what the Pharisees did as well. And this, how I mentioned, this church is a safe place for you, no matter where you come from, to struggle and wrestle and pursue God with your heart. I know that in the journey, God's going to touch your heart. God's going to lead you. God's going to guide you. God's going to transform you. But at the same time, I can't forget where I was. Like, I've been following God since I was 18. I'm 25 now. It's been like seven years. Okay, you know, I just lied right now. I'm sorry. No, 1844, okay, 44. So let me just tell you this, a couple key things with the Pharisees. Number one, point number one, Pharisees didn't live what they preached. Matthew 23 verse 3 says this, So you must be careful to do everything they tell you about the Pharisees, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They don't practice what they preach. So with us, We need to evaluate our lives and ask ourselves, you know, do we practice what we preach? Do we really love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul? And do we love others as ourselves? Or are we like a Pharisee that we don't live what they preached? Another key thing with the Pharisees is this. Pharisees made it more difficult for people who were trying to get close to God. They made it difficult for people that were generally trying to get close to God. All of a sudden, they gave them a hard time. Matthew 23, verse 13, Jesus said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Now think about this. How did Jesus draw, um, drew you closer to him? He drew you through his love and kindness. Like Jeremiah 31, verse 3, I'm just going to read it real quick. It says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Like Jesus, through his love, through knowing what he did, he drew us closer to him. How are we drawing people around us that don't know him? Do we throw it in their face that they don't know God? Do we say things that are hurtful? Do we highlight their sin and don't highlight God's love? All of a sudden, we're shutting the door in their faces when they genuinely want to be close to God. Number three, Pharisees were quick to point out the sins of others instead of focusing on their own sins. Matthew 7, verse 3 to 5 says this. Jesus said this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye. Let me take those things out of your life that doesn't belong, you could say, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now for us to evaluate, it's like, do we point, are we quick to point out sin instead of pointing to Jesus to other people? You know, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict and to do that part. The Holy Spirit is the one that does that. My job is to shine the light, letting people know how much God loves them and how much I love them. And through that love, they'll be drawn to know more about God. And in that journey, God will transform them. But for some reason, we feel as though we need to transform the person. And all of a sudden, we become like Pharisees, making up all these commandments, 613, things they have to follow. They talk a good game, but their heart is far away. We, don't, we can't be like Pharisees. The Pharisees were very prideful. So what could we do about this? You know what we could do about this? Is choose humility. Because being prideful is a choice. You choose to be prideful. That woman in that store, at that moment when things were heated, she had a choice to make. She could have said, it's like, look, let me leave before things get worse, and walked out of the store. But no, she made a choice. She let the choice of the pride to come out and her to say things that were extremely hurtful. But at the same time, she had another choice. She could have chosen to be humble. She could have chosen to have humility, and even in that moment, said I'm sorry from the beginning, and just walked away. I mean, obviously, she did apologize in the end, which I was very grateful, but she should have never let it get that far. So when it comes to humility, I want to highlight one key verse, which is a little bit different, because if I would ask everyone here what humility is, you would have probably given me a different definition than this one this definition of humility is just straight from the scriptures proverbs 22 verse 4 it says this humility is the fear of the lord i want you to think about that humility is the fear of the lord and when i when it says fear of the lord it doesn't mean being afraid of god It's having reverence of god trusting god understanding that he's sovereign and just submitting your life to his lordship and you fear the lord because you know he's king over everything so here it says humility is the fear of the lord its wages are riches and honor and life so here it pretty much says, when you walk a life of humility and you trust God, having that fear of the Lord in your life, it's like you'll be paid. You'll be paid with riches, honor, and life. And of course, the riches is not about money. It's, it's pretty much the respect and honor that God will give you in return. Now, I know we did a little test of 10 questions But I want you to even to see those questions in the light of fearing God and how different it would be. And the slides are there behind me. When you fear God, it'll be the first one. When you fear God, you want to give him all the attention. You know that life is not about you, it's about God. And you want to give him all the attention. Remember, look at the opposite, the pride. You long for attention being dramatic and pushy and demanding. Number two, when you fear God, you choose to always love others. And in pride, you choose to be jealous, negative, and critical of others around you. Number three, when you fear God, your only goal is to win people for Jesus. That's your goal. Your goal is to win people for Jesus in your family, in the community. You know that people are looking at your life, and your goal is to win people for Jesus. But when there's pride, your goal is to win a discussion and an argument, no matter what it takes. You know how many times, like, I've heard people say, like, I lost my Christianity, because at that moment, my goal was just to win that argument and discussion. But all of a sudden, you, you pretty much painted Jesus in a horrible light. Number four, when you fear God, you live in the truth. You don't have a pattern of lying. Number five, when you fear God, you're quick to acknowledge when you're wrong. When you fear God, that God is the God that sits on the throne and he is the judge, you're quick to say you're wrong. But no. When there's pride, you don't want to acknowledge you're wrong. When you fear God, number six, you live at peace with other people. When there's pride, there's always conflict. There's always issues. There's always arguments because you want to win those arguments. There's always drama in your life. But when you fear God, you live at peace with others. Number seven, when you fear God, you're quick to build others up instead of tearing them down. And we know when there's pride, you're quick to point other people's faults out and things you don't like about them. Number eight, when you fear God, you know, about, you know that everything that you do is for him. You don't get upset when people do not honor your achievements or what you do because what you do is for God. Whether you get someone that gives you a pat in the back, don't get me wrong, it feels good when someone says thank you, but even if they don't say thank you, you did it unto God. So there, when you fear God, you know that everything you do in your life is for him. Number nine, when you fear God, you live with a heart of thankfulness. It's not about living in pride in entitlement that people have to do things for you. And last but not least, when you fear God, you realize that you're absolutely nothing without him. Nothing. So, of course, when you 're prideful, you feel like you're smarter than other people or better than other people or, or more important than other people. but you know when you fear God that you're nothing without god we 're nothing without Him at all. so even now, as we 're getting ready to close the service, one of the, the last song that we sang in worship I, I, I didn't even it was a new song that they did, and it one of the verses said this fill my heart till all they see is you lord that's choosing humility fill my heart till all they see is you lord no matter who you encounter for people to see jesus in your life let me tell you life is short life is short And we don't know how long we're going to end up living this life, but I tell you this, God wants us to live our lives, no matter how many years we live, shining brightly for Jesus. So even right now, if everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes, if you know you're here today, and you struggle with pride in one way or another, and all of us, let me tell you, it's a daily decision to choose humility over pride for all of us every situation so if you're here today and you know that you want to choose humility and you know that your prayer today is for God to fill your heart so much with him that when everyone sees your life they see Jesus I just want you to stand to your feet now and this song that Pastor Harold is going to guide us in for it to be your prayer that you choose humility over being prideful, that you choose to love others that are different from you, that you choose to shine brightly for Jesus, that you're going to be an answer to Jesus's prayer, that you're going to love your brother and sister the same way that Jesus and Father God love one another. The choice is yours, and let's worship God. Father God, right now, as we're gathered as a family, and even if there's someone close to you, you could hold their hands as we close in prayer. Father God, we just want you to fill our lives, God, so much that the whole world would see you so clearly, God. God, we pray, Lord God, that we would love one another like never before, that we would choose to love one another, God. That we would choose humility, God, in our lives over pride, God. God, we pray that you would tear down every single wall that might be placed, that we might place or that are in this society, in this culture, in this world between people. That you would tear down these walls, God. And God, that we would see everyone as your children, God. So God, transform us from the inside out. We need you more than ever before, God. Forgive us, God, for placing roadblocks between people, God. Forgive us, God, for not going out of our way to show love. So God, make us more like you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the day.